The Catalyst, a CEP podcast on bold leadership in the Ocala Metro. Hosted by the Ocala Metro Chamber and Economic Partnership. Sponsored by Douglas Law Firm. And recorded live at Wiley Productions Podcast Studios, located in Ocala, Florida. Welcome to The Catalyst. I'm your host, Natalie McComb, Vice President for the Ocala Metro Chamber and Economic Partnership Foundation. And I'm joined today by Jeremiah Blocker, partner at Douglas Law Firm. Great to have you on the show, Jeremiah. Oh, thanks for having me, Natalie. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about Douglas Law Firm. Yeah, so Douglas Law Firm, it was started in Palaka, Florida, about 10 years ago, and, and a couple of, uh, you know, Locals and you know Jacksonville and and St Augustine and Palaka. Charlie Douglas was was the main kind of leader, and Charlie and I have been friends since college at UF about twenty years ago. And yeah, so he started the firm, and a couple of us have joined over the years. And you know, we just really have have tried to focus on being a hometown firm and kind of you know servicing the region. Yeah, and how many offices do you have? So we have five offices now. We have our main office in Palaka. We have one in St Augustine, Jacksonville. I uh, just opened an office in Flagler and also Ocala as well. Wow, so a, a great reach, but but I understand you were born and raised right here in Ocala. So so tell me what it was like for you growing up. Yeah, well, you know, Ocala's great. So I'm a sixth generation Ocalian on, on both sides and, and just, you know, really loved it. So grew up kind of in the southwest part of the county and, and but, you know, all my grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins were from here and mm-hmm. so just Really enjoyed uh, enjoyed growing up here. Of course, of course, Ocala was small then. It's growing quite a bit now, but um, you know, it's it's really just home home for me. So. Yeah, yeah. And what what do you remember most from growing up? Anything you like to do? Anything that's changed since obviously you've been here as a young kid? Yeah, absolutely. So you know, my my on my mom's side of the family, they were very involved. Uh, my great grandfather Carl Ray was involved in in really developing Silver Spring. So we mm-hmm. spent a lot of time going out there. Of course, you had Wild Waters at the time and we spent a lot of time at Silver Springs and just uh, you know just enjoying everything out there and I think that was an important part of my childhood just appreciating kind of the natural beauty and uh, you know going out to Lake Kerr and Lake Weir spending time out there but you know Marion County has so many great great areas for you know kind of outdoor recreation and just you know that's kind of the lasting memory that stuck with Mm -hmm. me so. And certainly something that, that has not changed over time as much as we've sure. become developed. We still have so many opportunities for, for folks to enjoy the outdoors. And and, and I know that, you know, you mentioned um, being involved in the community and that public service plays a big part in your family. Um, I understand your father, uncle, and all four of your brothers um, have served as combat veterans. So what lessons were taught in your home growing up that led you to enlist yourself when the time came? Well, you know, I think just uh, God and country, you know, that was really important. You know, there was certainly no expectation for any of us to join the military. But I think my parents really emphasized, you know, for us growing up that, you know, if you love this country and you care about it, you got to step up and serve. And so, you know, after 9-11, I was a student at the University of Florida. And I went down, you know, I happened on a Thursday. By the next week, I enlisted in the military and later got to serve on active duty. And actually was a company commander uh, in the reserves for the 351st MP company here in Ocala. So mm-hmm. it was great to come home and command that company over in Iraq and, and do a couple of deployments over there. So, um, but I think, you know, just that foundation of, you know, giving back to your community. And if you love this country, you know, you got, you know, God finds different ways for us all to serve. Mm-hmm. 
But in our family, you know, I guess we were good at soldiering, so that's what we did. So yeah, and what and what a legacy, and and obviously something that you all could share as as a family. I'm sure some dinner table conversations were probably pretty interesting. It's a big rivalry. Are. It's a big rivalry for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Have you served um, your family members? Have they served in different branches in the military, or have you we, all kind of followed the same path? We have. So yeah, my oldest brother is a colonel in the Marine Corps. Uh, the next one is a colonel in the Army. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my middle brother just retired from the army as as a, as a field grade officer. Myself, I started out in the army, uh, went to law school, spent some time in the Air Force actually, then, mm-hmm. then went back to the Army National Guard. So a little schizophrenic in my service. And my youngest brother is E seven in the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. So wow, so yeah, so a whole bunch of experience yeah. in, in in different levels. And and I know that when you graduated with your bachelor's, um, you entered the army as a second lieutenant and served as an officer in Operation Iraqi Freedom. It's amazing to me the leadership that's required of new college grads, right, as they enter the service. Uh, what was that like, and what lessons did you learn during that experience that you really take with you today in your current role? Well, you know, it's you know when you look back and think about it, the military provides some of the best leadership schools, you know, how to deal with, you know, problems and how to manage resources and people and how to do it the right way. Um, you know, obviously there are always going to be challenges to that, but I think at a very young age, at 22, yeah, I was leading a, a platoon of, you know, 40, 50 uh, soldiers, and that was, you know, tough, you know, because I was, a, frankly, you know, one of the youngest guys there, but I had the, the, the responsibility of leading and doing that, and it's very intimidating, but I think relying on, you know, the wise men and women around you, there are a lot of non-commissioned officers that have a lot of experience that some of them been in 15, 20 years, and, you know, I had a platoon sergeant that was outstanding that really helped guide me, so even though I had the responsibility, the leadership responsibility, I had NCOs around uh, that really helped kind of guide that. And it's an awesome responsibility. I think the military mm-hmm. is such a, you know, a leadership development school, if you will. Um, but, you know, one of the one of the things I've tried to take from that is, you know, when you're dealing with, with people, when you're dealing with resources, is really trying to treat people the right way, focus on the mission. You know, the military has a kind of, kind of a, a mindset of, you know, soldiers first, you know, mission always, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or mm-hmm. the mission first, uh, soldiers always, you know, however that that's, it's, I've heard it phrased different ways over the years. But the point of that is we have a mission, we have to fulfill that mission. Um, and you can apply that whether you're, you know, running a bakery or a law firm or, you know, uh, a doctor's office, but you also got to take care of your people. We got to make mm-hmm. sure they feel included and it doesn't mean everyone's going to get along or there's not issues that, that develop with that, you know, but you have to treat people the right way and also, at the same time, focus on your mission and be good at it. So Yeah, and there are certainly a lot of parallels with the corporate world. You know, we always talk about people being aligned with the mission and, and knowing while you're there, right? And what's your your piece of that mission and, and making sure that, you know, you don't lose touch of that, you know, lose focus. Um, that's wonderful. And, and I know that you've been recognized um, with numerous combat medals and commendations. Um, why was it important for you to continue to serve in the reserves even after you returned from active duty? Because I'm sure that was a big decision for you and your family. Well, it, it is. And, you know, it's, it's you know, now I'm kind of on that, you know, one week in a month, a couple of weeks of the year, but it always ends up being more than that. But, um, you know, I think it's, you know, our country still has a lot of challenges globally. And, you know, right now we have conflicts in the Middle East. We have, you know, that we, we kind of got ourselves out of and now we're in some ways getting pulled back into. There's a lot of uncertainty in the world. And, you know, I take seriously that for us to stay a free people and, and to protect our country, you have to have people step up and do it. You know, not every American can serve in the military. We're just not built that way. So, you know, we need people to step up and do that. And even though my service is insignificant compared to the thousands of others that are serving, you know, I'm part of a, a, a bigger mission. So 
I think as long as I'm able-bodied and able to do that, I want to do that. I want to set that legacy for my kids so they have that calling. Um, you know, hopefully they'll find more engaging things to do than join the military, but at the same time, you know, hopefully they'll see that we can continue to serve, you know, mm-hmm. as long as we can. So, mm-hmm. And what does that look like? Help educate me a little bit more. Um, in the reserves, what what are the various things that they have you involved in, given your number of, of leadership experience, too? Is it more kind of teaching and training the next generation, or what does that look like? Sure. So for me, so I had a combat arms background, and then I went to law school and became mm-hmm. a JAG officer, so a judge advocate general's officer. So for me in the National Guard, you know, we have a lot of, you know, we get called up for natural disasters. And, and so every time a hurricane season comes, we get called up. We get none of those. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's foreign to <laughs> us here. But, you know, so we have, you know, but the National Guard also is called on to support a lot of our missions globally. So, you know, we had soldiers uh, from the Florida National Guard in the Ukraine when they were invaded by Russia. We pulled them out, but they were training the, the Ukrainian uh, military. We have soldiers in the Middle East right now. So, you know, we have a lot of soldiers on the... Um, on the Southwest border mission. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of combat missions, a lot of humanitarian missions that the guard steps up to, you know, during Iraq and Afghanistan, the the Florida guard was all over the middle East. We lost a lot of soldiers in both those conflicts. So, but for me, you know, as a brigade legal advisor, I advise, you know, a a brigade commander and his staff on different legal challenges that come up, whether it's a court martial, whether it's just different discipline issues, Mm So I've kind of, you know, I kind of got hurt in the military. So I kind of transitioned from from that to, to a little bit more of a of a of a legal the legal aspect of mm-hmm. it. But you know, there's a lot of domestic operation stuff, you know, with with the National Guard. You know, our interplay with uh, you know the civilian uh, you know authorities, and um, so it's it's exciting to see that role. And you know, we've seen a lot of that since uh, you know uh, the last presidential election. There's been a lot of kind of you know challenges that have come up with how the military is used and utilized to restore order and discipline. And um, so certainly a certainly a busy time for mm-hmm. the military lawyers. So. Yeah, yeah. And and you know you mentioned JAG. I, what what made you want to study law after or after being in the service? And because I know that was a a decision you made. You know after having served for a number of years. So 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 why law? Well, you know, I, I want to be a, a history professor and my parents were like, well, look, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's, uh, you're not going to live at home anymore. Right. So, you know, I think, um, you know, I was interested in arguing and, and, uh, you know, always had, high, you know, strong opinions. So went to law school and, and, uh, met my wife there and, and we just both of our kind of legal careers took off. But I, I was a prosecutor for a number of years and got to prosecute a lot of criminal cases up in Jacksonville and also in Palaka as well. I, I worked there in, in that circuit and um, definitely enjoy doing that. That's a tough job though. It's tough handling some of those tough cases and, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's a, you know, attempted murder case or, you know, child abuse case, you know, those are, those are tough. It takes its toll. But, um, you know, I think doing that and serving that role, it's, it's, um, you know, I enjoyed being able to use my, my talents to, to help people. And you can certainly do that as a lawyer. So. Yeah. Yeah. And you referenced, um, you know, some of the areas that you practice in, you know, I understand is civil, um, criminal litigation, real estate and land use. And I know that no two cases are exactly the same, right? But, but you've developed, I'm sure some areas of focus. Um, what areas are those or, or what type of cases are you most excited to take on? Sure. Well, you know, I, I love real estate law and I love equestrian law. I think they're, they're fascinating and, and, you know, being from Ocala, mm-hmm. you know, we have a lot of horses here and we have a lot of real estate. So I think that's just a fun area. And, you know, generally that that's where people are, you know, having, having fun and, and doing some fun stuff with real estate and, and equestrian law. You know, obviously I was a criminal prosecutor, so, you know, I'm, I'm good at that. It's not necessarily my passion area, but mm-hmm. I, I've 
you know, handled quite a few criminal cases on the military and as a prosecutor, as a defense attorney, a lot of trials. So I have a great trial record. Um, but, you know, also I was involved in politics for a while, I was a county commissioner in St. John's County. So, you know, as chair, chairman of the board there. So I'm a recovering politician, but, <laughs> you know, land use law plays a role in that and, yeah. and local government. So, you know, our firm represents a lot of local governments as well, you know, outside mm-hmm. St. John's County. And, and uh, I enjoy that role because, you know, it's tough being an elected local official and making mm-hmm. tough decisions and being in publics and trying to buy milk with your kids and people saying, Hey, why wasn't the trash picked up? Or yep. why is this road <laughs> being approved here? Not there. Why is the sidewalk on the side of the street, not the other. And you have to be able to answer those questions and really be responsive to the voters. So, um, yeah, but what a great perspective you were able to gain, I'm sure, through that service, because being on the other side, right, you know, then you could see what it was like when, when you know, your elected officials are working with attorneys, right, and have attorneys maybe questioning, you know, why something's going here or why you're changing the zoning. Um, so I'm sure that kind of um, gave you a new appreciation for that, too, and, and kind of widened your perspective on, on, you know, why some of those decisions are made as well. It certainly does. It's yeah. humbling as well. And it helps mm-hmm. you helps you understand what people are going through and kind of their challenges as they work their way through, you know, the day-to-day stuff. So Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I, I speak for many when I say that I, I hope I never have to contact a lawyer. Oh, for sure. Um, I'm sorry to my brother who practices law in St. Louis. Um, but uh, uh, what do you want the public to understand um, when they consider, you know, hey, do you need legal advice? Do I need to talk to a lawyer? What do you want them to kind of think about? For sure. Well, you know, the relationship's important. You know, being, being a lawyer is a trusted legal advisor. And whether mm-hmm. it's something as simple as a real estate transaction or, you know, your, your uh, spouse got a DUI. I mean, having that relates to trusted relationship. You have to, you have to really trust your legal advisor. You really want to make sure the relationship works. It's just like your doctor, right? When you go to a doctor, you know, they're, they're, it's, it's impacting you. It's impacting your health. You know, lawyers, unfortunately, we're called in sometimes to, to you know, fix problems that, that are really difficult for people mm-hmm. and, and to try to help them navigate a very complex situation. Other times it's more exciting. You know, hey, we're buying this, we're doing this, we want to develop this. and But really having a trusted relationship is important and really being able to trust the attorney and, and, and let them guide you is very important. So obviously with multiple offices, uh, I'm sure Douglas Law Firm is continuing to grow and, and obviously um, branch into new areas and get new clients. How, how does the team stay together? How would you um, describe the culture there that obviously keeps you all focused on your mission? Well, you know, I, I really, I view the law firm really as family, you know, it's tough practicing law, different law firms and different kind of that corporate, whether it's a big law firm or, or, you know, some of the different challenges that come with that. I love the, the family oriented culture there. You know, my, my wife knows all the wives of the other partners and attorneys and the secretaries, and we all get to know each other's family. So we really try to treat it as a family oriented atmosphere and, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's so important. It's a stressful job and you're dealing with clients that have a lot of stress in their lives. So I think bringing as much of the family together and, and being into, you know, we all want to, we all could work other places and work other jobs and in some cases probably make more money, but you know, we choose to work here and really you spend the majority of your time. You spend, you know, five days out of seven with your work colleagues and mm-hmm. you, know, you want to be with people that are like-minded that share the same value system that, you know, are okay with you spending time with your kids when you need to and, and taking that day off to spend time with your daughter or your son. So I like that atmosphere and I like having that atmosphere and I, I think it's important to foster that. So I love that about our firm. Yeah, your work family, right? Absolutely. And I'm sure you have to lead by example on that too, making sure you're taking time for your family and yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And we give our guests the opportunity to highlight a nonprofit that they're involved with or passionate about. Um, I'm personally grateful to uh, Douglas Law Firm's um, support as sponsor of, of this show, The Catalyst. Um, but I'm sure that there's many organizations um, that, you know, benefit from the support of Douglas Law Firm or, or that you, you know, may be involved with over the years. Is there one in particular you want to highlight today? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, the Veterans Council here in Marion County is outstanding. And I think the, the way they, they support our veteran community is, is so important. And not just, you know, the, the veterans that we see in parades on the 4th of July or Memorial Day. I mean, really just digging into the, you know, we have a lot of homeless veterans in our community. We have a lot of female veterans that, you know, again, you know, just as we've seen a transition over the last couple of decades with, with more women serving in the military, sometimes that's a forgotten class of veterans. And I think the Veterans Council here does an outstanding job, one, recognizing, but also developing tangible ways to support people. You know, a lot of times our veterans come out and, you know, they've kind of lost their place in the community. They spent 20 years, 30 years in the military, and they don't know really how to fit in. Mm -hmm. So our Veterans Council here in Marion County does a great job and, and, um, you know, we're just just proud to have a, a team there that that knows how to serve our veteran community. So mm -hmm. that's important. And and you know, I think the other piece of it is is when you look at you know the needs, as you mentioned, you have a lot of folks that you know when they leave from the military, they have had great leadership experience, right? They just may not know quite how to use it. And I know some of the services they provide is helping to connect veterans with employment opportunities, which is important because there's a lot that our veterans can bring to a variety of organizations. Absolutely. And, you know, there are challenges, too. You know, we're, we're dealing with, we're, for the last 20 years, we've spent, you know, a lot of young people over overseas to Iraq and Afghanistan, our ongoing conflicts. There's a lot of PTSD and mm -hmm. substance abuse issues that come with that. Cause, you know, we're exposing a whole generation of people to, to, you know, warfare and conflict. And very similar to probably what our parents experienced in the Vietnam era. But, you know, we're, we're set up a little differently today than, than probably our parents' generations were. So I think it's important to recognize that you have multi-generations of, of veterans that have had different experiences. People are way more supportive today than probably my dad was in Vietnam. But, you know, um, it's still important to, to show that appreciation and also the tangible ways to help. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now a word from our sponsor. Hello, I am Charlie Douglas with the Douglas Law Firm. We are a full-service law firm with many practice areas to serve your particular needs. The Douglas Law Firm is located in downtown Ocala at 110 North Magnolia Avenue. Give us a call today for a free consultation or visit us at dhclawyers.com. Well, now, Jeremiah, it's time for our lightning round questions to get to know you a little better. Uh, what's your favorite Ocala hotspot? Well, we just love WEC. So, mm -hmm. so my 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 daughter, my oldest is uh, oldest daughter is turning eight. She just loves the horses there, so we love going there and spending time there. So it's just such a great environment. So Ocala, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. really enjoy it. And what's the best part about living in Ocala? Well, I think you know really just kind of going out and the recreation here. I mean, I love that, you know, you can go on the nature trails and go out to the lake and, you know, take the jet skis out. Just absolutely love that. And, you know, our, our family loves just experiencing Ocala. So especially being outdoors. Yeah. Yeah. Now what's one thing that you wish Ocala had that it doesn't have yet? Uh, really Costco's. Ditto. Yeah. Ditto. That's a question that, that our CEO, Kevin Sheely at the CEP gets often. And, and he always has to answer, not sure. 
Well, no, we, we love we welcome them with open arms if if they uh, if they are listening to this. Um, but I agree. Yes, the Costco would be great. Um, and who is a leader that you admire? You know, I really liked uh, President Reagan. I, th- I think just growing up in the 80s, you know, I, I, I was born in 79, and uh, most of my childhood, really, uh, Reagan was our president. I remember being a, a, a young officer at Fort Leonard Wood in Missouri when President Reagan, you know, passed away, and just the emotion that, uh, you know, all the soldiers gathering together and just mm-hmm. kind of mourning that and just realizing so many of my colleagues, you know, many of us joined the military because we were inspired by his leadership and, you know, certainly wasn't perfect. No politician is, but have always admired him and appreciated, you know, in my childhood, he seemed to bring a sense of security and, and confidence and kind of hope, kind mm-hmm. of the American dream and it's morning in America again. So that's always resonated with me, mm-hmm. the kind of the optimism. And again, not perfect. He had his flaws, but he's someone I've certainly looked up yeah. to. And who doesn't need that, right? A little bit of hope. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, Again, we're here with uh, Jeremiah Blocker, partner at Douglas Law Firm. Thank you so much for being on the show today with us. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Catalyst, hosted by the Ocala Metro Chamber and Economic Partnership, sponsored by Douglas Law Firm, and recorded live at Wiley Productions Podcast Studios. New episodes, guests, and perspectives on leadership premiere twice a month. Follow us on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Have a suggestion for a future guest? Email us at thecatalyst at ocalacep.com.